Uh, we're hitting pause on our series that we just started last week, and I know that's crazy. Um, I'm calling in Audible today. All right, I know uh, we started this series called Elephant in the Room last week, and, and we're going to go through these tough topics that are facing our world today. And, and believe me, we'll get back there because I studied a lot to write those <laughs> sermons. Uh, but last week, I, I went away to a conference, and I've never done this in the history of my ministry have I done this. I go to theology conferences. I go to study groups all around the country. I, I go to ministry conferences. And um, this is the first time in like, when, when was I ordained? Like 13 years ago that I've done this. But last week we went away and, and, and I looked at Christina, my wife, and I looked at my staff and I said, I don't think I could preach the sermon that I had written before we went. And so, so what I felt like God was saying is that the foundry, we need to have a team meeting. Right? We, we needed to huddle up. And, and when, I was, I, when I was coaching football back in the day, uh, we would have team meetings. We would have huddles like, where we would get together once a week, and we would talk about the upcoming game, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. We would, we would talk about who we were going to be playing against and, and what was the game plan, and we would just kind of refocus regroup and, and kind of regird ourselves up is the Bible way of saying it, right? Gird your loins is the weird way the Bible says it. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to huddle up. And I just felt like God was saying that we needed to do that today as the Foundry Church, right? We need to, we need to gather around as his family, as this local outpost of the kingdom of God that he has each and every one of us in. Whether this is your first time here, or if you've been here since the very beginning, you're not here by accident. You're here for a very specific purpose, for a very specific part of his plan. And so if you are visiting with us today, or if you're tuning in online for the very first time, I am glad you are here. And I hope that you'll join us again uh, next week. But if you'll give me just a little bit of grace today, uh, today I would like to talk directly to the people who call the Foundry Church home. And as I, I do, I hope that if this is your first time, if you're just figuring us out, you're going to see a little bit of what we are called to, what we're going to hold that's top importance. And before I, I do that, I would like to pray. So if you will, just bow your heads with me. Lord, we are, we are so thankful that you are our Lord. You are our God. And Lord, and, and we know we, we proclaim that and we say that and we sing that. That you're the God who can redeem. You're the God who restores. You're the God who creates. Lord, and we don't want to go through the motions when we say those things, when we pray those things, when we sing those things, Lord. Because you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the great I am. And Lord, forgive us when we forget that. Forgive us if we just say it. And don't really proclaim it with our life. That you, that you are the Lord our God. And so today, as we gather, today, as we huddle up, Lord, uh, continue, as we, as we just said, Lord, where, where two or more are gathered, your spirit is there, and we are thankful for that, Lord, uh, that you are here with us right now. 
And you're with us as we go forward. You're with us as we step into the tasks that you have for us as a church family, as a, as a church team, as this local outpost, but also as individuals, Lord. And so right now, Lord, we ask, Lord, that that spirit, your spirit, covers us today like an itchy sweater. Lord, that we just know of your presence, that we know that you are, are driving us deeper, that you have something for us to, to process, something to do, some, uh, a task, Lord, or something to repent of, something to, to say, Lord, I, I know I've been forging my life on everything but you. So restore me, reconcile me, spur me forward, Lord, and we're thankful that you do just that because you're a God who cares. You're a God of hope and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, Lord, and self-control. And so we're thankful that we get to serve a God like you, that we get to forge our life on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. All right. So uh, before uh, we get into what I want to talk about, uh, or before we get back to our, our next series, I want to take a little bit of time today and look at my man Peter. All right, Peter the, the Apostle. Now, now, we may get back or we will get back to the elephant in the room, but, but today, let's just look at the life of Peter. Peter is one of my favorite disciples of Jesus because he reminds me a lot of me. He was a bit of a meathead. All right, he was, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, if you know what I mean. Right, he's a man who worked very hard every day. He, he went to the water and he fished. Now, he wasn't the greatest of fishermen, uh, but he showed up. He showed up. He was obedient. He did the work. And like me, Peter doesn't always get what Jesus is asking of his disciples, but Peter is always willing to do whatever Jesus asks. Always. He's always willing to do whatever Jesus asks. He is obedient to the king, his king, right? The, the king of kings, the God he is forging his life on. He's a, he's a put me in coach type of guy. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, just put me in. I don't know what I'm being put in for or what to do. Just put me in, coach. He loves to rise to the challenge, right? Peter, this apostle, he's, he's passionate. He's, he's ride or die, and he's the greatest example of this is when, when Jesus is in the garden, right? When he's praying right before he's arrested, right? Jesus is being arrested, and in John chapter 18, Peter gets fiercely protective of Jesus, and he pulls out this sword, and he tries to fight back, right? This fisherman, <laughs> right? This ride or die disciple of Jesus thinks, I'm going to go up against these Romans with my little sword I just bought at the market at five and below. Right? And it's, just, it's funny, right? He ends up cutting the ear off one of the high priest's servants. And Jesus, of course, in the translation, according to me, says, Peter, get it together, buddy. Get it together, right? This is what I have come to do, right? So calm down. Put your sword away. I must go. Right? You see, Peter is an all-in kind of guy. And I love it. Right? He was willing to kill for Jesus. Right? Peter would do whatever it takes for his king, for King Jesus. Well, at least this is how it seems. All right? I mean, because in literally the same uh, chapter of the Bible, 
15 verses, a short 15 verses later, Jesus is being arrested. He's, he's, he's been taken away, and it's becoming clear what is about to happen. And Peter starts, uh, people start asking Peter, hey, weren't you with that Jesus of Nazareth? Weren't you buddies with him? I thought, you, I thought I saw you with him. And three times, what does Peter say? He says, no. No, not me. Some other guy. Not me, no way. Three times. Right, Peter, this guy who's willing to kill for Jesus, denies even being around Jesus when push comes to shove. Right? Because here's the thing about Peter. He was willing to kill for Jesus, but he wasn't willing to die for Jesus. Look at that. I mean, really, let that soak in right now. He was willing to kill for Jesus, but he wasn't willing to die for Jesus. He was willing to, to kill for Jesus, but he wasn't willing to die for his Lord. Now, this has been a thought running over and over and over in my brain for like a year now. Now, we, we live in America, so, so this is not usually a question that we ask ourselves, but maybe a better way to phrase it is this thought. All right, I'm willing to get on Facebook and debate for Jesus, right? but, but I'm not willing to love someone who's different than me. <laughs> or maybe like this, I'm willing to fight for prayer in school, but I'm not willing to start my day with prayer because I'm, I'm tired and I need that extra 30 minutes. <laughs> or maybe like this, I'm willing to come to church on Sunday, but I'm not willing to read my Bible during the week with a community of Christians. I'm just too busy. I'm willing to hear the word of God in a sermon or on a podcast, but I'm not willing to do community where it really soaks in. Right? And I, I, I'm pretty sure we could go on and on, right? I mean, we, we could, right? We could go on and on, but I think we get the idea. Just like Peter, right? He was willing to kill for Jesus, but he wasn't willing to die for Jesus. You see, uh, the, the series we were in, people, people seemed really excited about it. And that is good. That is good. right? We, we should and do anchor ourselves to the word of God. <laughs> it's one of our values. We anchor ourselves to the truth of the word of God and the biblical view of life and marriage and giving and all of it. Right? But here's the question I kept asking myself. Are we just arming ourselves with information to win a cultural war? Right? Are we just trying to, trying to load up our cannons? Right? Are, we, are we learning how to die to ourselves and love our neighbor into the kingdom of God? And when I couldn't answer that clearly, when I couldn't answer that question clearly for our church, I knew we needed to take a pause. Right? Right? Because, church, if we're willing to stand on the street corner, Facebook, whatever, and yell about things and shout from the rooftops or make ourselves feel good because we can do apologetics, but we are not willing to sit around a table and have a tough conversation, I think we missed the mark. Right? And missing the mark is the biblical definition of sin. Right? Right? Last week I said in every discussion we have, especially with touchy topics, right, we'll be looking at these tough, tough topics. In every discussion we have to do what it says in Matthew 22, the, the greatest commandment. Right? We have to do what it says, what it encourages us to put on, the lens to put on. And it says, how do I best love God in this situation? And how do I best love people 
in this situation. And that's usually Matthew 22, where, where the disciples of Jesus said, you know, like, what is the greatest commandment? And they're, they're all asking, and the religious leaders are there, and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And those are really good questions, right? How do I best love God in this situation? How do I best love people in this situation? But do we know what it really, really means to do that? Right? Do we really know what God is asking us to do as we forge our life on him? Right? I mean, we, we were excited, but church, the, the questions are real. The God that we're forging our life on is real. His gospel is creating this world. Us messing it up, Adam and Eve. Him making a covenant with, with his child Abraham, right? And by, and by sending a king, saying, I'm going to send a king through your lineage, and that king comes into this world, God, in the flesh. Not to condemn us, not to say, oh, you did mess up. You did miss the mark. Screw you. <laughs> That's not what he says. He says, I come, to, I come to get your arrow back on target to hit that bullseye, to hit that mark. There's hope, there's joy, there's peace. This is the gospel, right? The gospel is real, that he he went to the cross to pay that penalty for us. He went to that grave, and he came out of that grave. And now, right, it doesn't end there, because he's at the right hand of Father God, and he's going to return again. That's the gospel. The gospel is real for today, tomorrow, and forever, and it's uh, applicable today in this moment for everything we do. Right? It's about him and what he's done for us. Now, I want to tell you one more story about Peter. And, and this takes place after Peter has confessed. He's, he's sorry, Jesus, I denied you. And Jesus doesn't say, yeah, you messed up. Get away from me. You're no longer my disciple. No, Jesus restores him. Right? He, he reconciles him. He, he, there's restoration. There's, uh, there's uh, even a rejuvenation of, of Peter's spirit because he preaches a bomb of a sermon, like a great, a good bomb, a good sermon, right? And starts the church, right? And the power of the Spirit of God later on in Acts, right? Jesus restores them, and this is what takes place, right? Jesus has gone back uh, to heaven, and the disciples, they're, they're spreading the word. They're, they're saying, anchor to this. Right? About all, all that Jesus has done, anchor yourself to it. It's not a, it's not a self-help. It's not a, a self-care gospel. It's not a, not a, you know, love oneself. It's deny yourself, take up your cross, sacrifice. Because your life here is temporal. And you got eternity to come down the corner, right? And then in chapter 3, Peter and John, they, they heal this, this beggar, this lame beggar, it says. I just paralyzed beggar. And everyone is trying to figure out how Peter could do such a thing. Now, maybe they were arguing, everybody, over the science of it. Does that sound familiar? Right? How, how could someone who was lame from birth, who has never walked in the entirety of their life, have strength in dead muscles all of a sudden? So, so the people thought, ah, this can't be true. This is some kind of fake joke or whatever. Or maybe, maybe they were arguing over the theology of it. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> or how, how, well, how could they, they heal someone? Jesus isn't here anymore doing these healings, and healings only happen when he is around, and so this must be fake. 
People are arguing. Maybe, maybe they were arguing over the spirituality of it. Well, they, they should have done it in a synagogue, in a church. There should have been a rabbi present. Or they didn't say the right words. So this can't be real. Or maybe they thought, well, this, this guy was a beggar. He's from the wrong side of town. He isn't like us. Why wouldn't they heal the people we know first? This guy didn't deserve to be healed. And so they thought he was not worth it. And Peter, he hears all this from the, the power of the Spirit, and he, he gathers everybody together, sort of like what we're doing right now, and he says to them, you're missing the point. This is not about how he was healed, or, or why he was healed, or how we healed him, or even who he is. It's not about him. This is about Jesus. And then he says, it's always been about Jesus, the king. It will always be about Jesus, the king. He is the point. He is the king. He is our God, the God that we forge our life on. All right, take, take a look at Acts chapter 3, verse 16 through 20. And, and listen, if you don't have your Bible, use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free. I say that every week, right? All right? Get in the Bible. Take those Bibles, use them. Barrett has like 20 of them. All right. Acts chapter 3, verse 16 through 20. All right, this is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Use the table of contents if you need to. So the back half of the Bible. Because we got we to we understand this. He says this. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man the perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, right, the, the Old Testament, that his Christ... The Messiah, the king, God in the flesh would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. (laughs) Look at this, right? You got your Bible, circle this, underline it, highlight it, right? If you're, you know, like Christina, draw a little picture next to it. (laughs) That times, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, the king. Jesus. Refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord through our king, the Christ, Jesus. By faith in Jesus, by his name, for his glory. That is how this man was restored. That is the point. Church, we're not in this to win a cultural war. I know, I know. Woo, right? right, We're not here to tell everyone what they're doing wrong. We're, we're not here to come to church on Sunday to check a box. We're not, listen, we're not even here to heal the lame and bring about miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit, though. Listen, 
Through the power of the Holy Spirit, those things are possible. We will change our culture. All right? we, we, will, we will have a nation that, just like in, in 2 Chronicles, it says it will turn to him and repent, and he will heal their land. Right? Our, our neighbors, our friends, our, our colleagues will know and experience freedom, experience grace, experience healing. Chains will break through, right? But that, that's Jesus. Right? That's Jesus. And our closeness to him. Right? Yes, we should certainly stand for truth when we do. And we should certainly fight for what is right, and we always will. Right? But if the only reason we come here is to build up our, our head knowledge, then we're missing the point. Right? Jesus, Jesus did not come here to make a new law, it says. He came to fulfill the old law and make it possible for us to get home to our Father, to our Creator for eternity and that eternity starts when we give our life to Christ. Amen. Right, church, we are, we are not here to preach uh, Christ crucified, risen, and risen again, and, and, and just end it there, right? We're, we're, we're to live in that, not just to, to say it, right? We're, we're called to forge our life on him from top to bottom, left to right, everywhere in between. Christ crucified and risen again, and he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's going to come back again, period, Right? And if we've done anything else, if we've prioritized anything else, if we fought for anything else before that, well, then we must repent. Right? And as your pastor, let me, let me be the first to repent. Let me confess to you that I've been caught up in my own comfort. Right? We, that's what I deal with, right? my own control, right? myself, just as much as anyone. I feel inadequate all the time. Seriously, there are times that I amaze myself that at this point in life, I'm still alive. Right, and it's, it's not a funny thing. I'm not trying to say because I, I did stupid things when I was a kid, but that's just what I wrestle with. Right, it's, it's what I have, to, have to, to wrestle with in community, it's what I have to wrestle with spiritual pastors of mine. Right, that's what I have to deal with. I'm just wholly aware that I'm not capable, that I'm not smart, that I'm not able, however you want to say it. It's just something I have to deal with, and so I, I have, have taken those feelings. Right? that are not of God, right, but are, are from, from the pits of hell. And I brought them into the church and about how I minister, and it's about comfort, right, and, and control, right? But here's the thing, church, almost everything that God wants for our lives is outside of our comfort zone, right? right? Comfort zones are where dreams die, right? I mean, think about it. Comfort zones will kill you. Comfort zones are holes that we dig and we hide from the world in those holes. We make bubbles around us, however you want to say it. Holes that some of us climb down into and then we, we break the ladder so there is no way out. All right, some of us are, are down here in these holes and we're putting up decorations. <laughs> We've built up these comfort zones with happy Bible verses that make us feel good about ourselves and that are out of context and television shows that make us laugh. And we only let um, people like us in our comfort zones. But church, comfort zones are where the devil wants us. All right? All right, scripture, in 1 Peter says the, the devil, Satan, is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking to devour And we think, oh, that's a big thing, right? That's, he's seeking just to rip me apart. He's seeking to give me cancer and, 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 and ruin my life like Job. No, he doesn't have to do that. 
we're not as faithful as Job. He just has to nudge us into our pit of comfort. A little, little nudge with his hip. Right? Comfort zones are where we sit on our comfy couches while our loved ones and our friends who don't know Jesus are crying out for hope and restoration. Comfort zones feel safe. And sure, they're a nice place for us, but they are deadly. They are deadly for everyone that God has called us to guide into forging a lifelong reliance on him. Right now, I must confess that a lot of what I've done in my comfort zone has been outwardly a call to seeking to save the lost, but inwardly, it was just a way to entertain the found. Right, church, church, I, I want so much more for us than comfortable Christianity because that's not a real thing. Right? Again, it, Jesus didn't come to say, you know, here's some self-help, here's some self-love. He said, take up your cross, follow me. It's a self-sacrifice church. The Holy Spirit is not lazy. He's moving and he's powerful and he wants to do life with us. And yes, it's abundant life. It's life to the full, right? That doesn't mean it's the easiest life, but it's a life that we're created to live. Right? The, the Holy Spirit wants, wants to be a part of our comings and goings. He wants to give us a life that is not just in heaven, but today. Because eternity starts when we profess Christ to be our Lord and we make him our Lord. Like it... Like it says, right, the Holy Spirit wants us to have an encounter with the living God. Like it said in Acts, it says, repent so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Guys, don't be lost with the tone. Don't be lost with the language, right? That's, that's amazing. That's hope. That's hope. That's joy. That's peace, that's patience, that's kindness, that is all the fruits of the Spirit because it's the presence of God, the presence of Jesus in our lives. It's not the absence of that chaos. It's not the absence of that whatever, right? It's the presence of Jesus in our lives. A time of refreshing because we have encountered the living God. We have been in his presence. We have known him. Church, something I learned, right? If an argument gets you into faith in Jesus, then an argument can get you out of faith in Jesus. But you cannot argue with an encounter with the presence of the Lord. Right? That's what we want for our church, guys. That's what we want for each and every one of us. A presence of God. That is what God wants for our church. Listen, listen, just listen to this, right? how the church in Acts is explained. All right, so you're, you were in Acts 3, flip over to Acts chapter 2. All right, and listen, I mean, I heard a lot of knuckleheads this week too say, oh, you know, because we're a church that says we want to be like the New Testament church. We want to be like the church that God created in Acts. And I heard a lot of knuckleheads say, you don't want that, right? And there, was, there was orgies breaking out in 1 Corinthians when they were taking communion. You don't want to be a First Testament church. Heck yeah, I do. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Because, first of all, the Spirit of God cleaned that up and restored them, right? Yeah. right? But look, look. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, right? And, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, Right? Because, because what? Because they're connected to Jesus. Right? And all who believed were together. They had all things in common. Right? Not a holy huddle, not down in the pit, but up in the world. 
that they're the, the outpost that God has them, right? They had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the pro- proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people, right? Not all Christians, not all the people of the way. At this time, the church was called the way, right? It wasn't just favor with each other, but favor with all people. And the Lord, and they didn't compromise. They did what they were supposed to do, right? They met together. They studied the word. They, they repented. They, you know, they did all these things. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is God's church. It is filled with awe-inducing experiences with him. It's done in community. It is inconvenient, Convenient. I mean, just for example, I mean, they were selling all their possessions, you guys. That's not a convenient thing to do. And listen, God is probably not calling you to sell all your possessions, but He's calling you to make Him the most important possession that you have. And the church met daily together, and they had favor with all people. I don't know about you, church, right? But but I haven't heard that all the people are thinking favorably about the church. Right, And it says that the Lord added to their number daily, and this is what I want for us foundry. And it's not an Andrew thing. It's a God thing. This is what he wants. Right? right? Because like I said, what I want, I, I, I had to repent of like, this control, this, 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 this comfort. Right? But this is what God wants. Acts chapter 2. Right, he, he wants a fully alive and moving church that does life together, that grows in number, that experiences God's power and presence, and that is inconvenient. And the whole world around that church, around that local outpost, and everyone in it knows they need it too. But they need it too. Authenticity. It's a, it's a group of people who are called out for a purpose, a purpose that is, is so powerful, that is so amazing, church, so life-changing that we would be willing to do anything to get other people to forge their life on it, too. Right, look, look at it like this. This is, this is, kind of a, this is how we grow. Right, throw this slide up here. It is the Word of God. Right? It's the Word of God with the people of God Filled with the Spirit of God on the mission of God. It's inconvenient, but that's how we grow. It, it's, it's being in the Word. It's being a people of the Word. It's being anchored to the Word of God, being in community with each other, with the people of God, right? Being in community together with the people of God, filled with the spirit of God, being open to that, being open to that little uncomfortableness, being open to to him saying, hey, go reach your neighbor. Go bless them. Have that conversation with your kid who's a knucklehead. Right? Whatever it may be. Filled with the spirit of God. So we're stepping into that task on the mission of God. To what? How we fulfill the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus said he came to save and to seek the lost. 
teaching them to obey these commands as he has taught us, again, in the word of God, by the power filled with the spirit of God, with the people of God. We would be willing, if that's the case, man, we would be willing to get up earlier, go to bed a little later to read his word, to know him better, so we could uh, better reflect him to the world. Right? So we could have those tough conversations, but with the way that he wants us to have those conversations and with the power of his spirit. So we're not just trying to win a political debate, but we're trying to give people Christ. Yes. Right? We'd be willing to, to give up a night during the week to join a, a table group or some kind of a Bible study. Or we'd just take our discipleship guide and say, hey, let's meet for coffee, you and me. Right? Go over some scriptures together. 30 minutes. Right, so that people in our community, uh, we will be able to kind of know the word and, and know people in our community, in our church community, well enough to love them and invite them into the awesome and powerful community like, as a whole. Right, we'd be willing to pray with someone even if it means uh, we'll be late for the game on TV after church or we'll be um, okay if we have to wait a little longer for the table at the restaurant. We're okay with that. Or if our kids' nap schedule might be thrown off, we're okay because we're called to pray for each other in community. We'd be willing to raise our hands in worship because God deserves praise more than any feeling of embarrassment or uncomfortableness. We'd be willing to bring our kids even when they are too tired and don't feel like it because we know that what God has for them is better than whatever they do on their phone as they scroll when they say they're too tired and don't want to come. We'd be willing to meet our, our neighbor, our weird neighbor, because an encounter with the living God is more important than an encounter that I might have with my couch. We'd be willing to give up everything because we are better with nothing and Jesus than have everything this world has to offer and know Jesus. Right? The, the living God, like I said, is not a self-help guru. He's not a genie or a butler. He's not an old man living in the sky waiting to smite you. Because right? we're all going to mess this up continually. He just says, be obedient. Church, we, we are, are not sinners in the hands of an angry God. We're not sinners in the hands of an angry God. Right? We are children in the hands of a gracious father who only wants to have more of his children come home. And that is what our church should reflect. Yeah. Right? Children coming home to their father who are trying to bring as many siblings as they can with them. So this is how we're going to end our service today. Right, we're just going to do something a little bit, a little bit different. Right? All right, we're just going to repent. Because if I was sitting there, I'd be like, I'm out. I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> all right, so bring it in. All right? I know how you're feeling. I feel the same. All right? All right, now, I'm not going to ask you to come up here like AA and say, hey, I'm Andrew. I'm a sinner. All right, listen. <laughs> listen, I already know. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We all got things that we need to repent of daily, right? That's an amen moment, right? Yes, <laughs> right? We all got things, right? And, right but, but here's what we're going to do. Each of you were given a blank piece of paper when you came in today. And if you're like me, you've already lost it. <laughs> uh, there will be some up here in just a moment. There will be some up here in just a second. Right, because this is an all skate, you know, like when you're in junior high and you went to the roller disco. <laughs> The roller rink it wasn't a disco. I don't, I'm not from the 70s. But you went to the roller rink, and they said, everybody on the floor, it's an all-skate. That's what this is, all right? All right, we're all going to roll into this disco right now. All right, I want everyone to just take a moment. I want you to write down something that you need to repent of, all right? And, and again, I know, we got our, hook, we got our hang-ups, our hookups, our challenges. We got those things, all right? 
But, but when we hear that word of repent, we think of something really big like, like that addiction or that affair or that lie. Right? But today, I, I want us to focus on repenting of the things that have gotten in the way of our relationship with him. Right? It, it, could, it could be those things, right? But, but most likely, it's things like prioritizing comfort. Maybe you need to write down, uh, like me, that you have put your own comfort zone and own, own control in front of getting uncomfortable in the presence of God or for the presence of God to move, right? Or, or you don't allow yourself to be stretched. I'm, I'm like right here. I, I, I won't, I'm here, but I won't be inconvenienced. I won't, I won't you know, follow the will of God to move, to be stretched to be worked over by the Spirit of God. And maybe you need to write down your parenting. Maybe you have forgotten that, that the first person that you're called to influence, that you're called to disciple, is your child, and you've not made it a priority to have those conversations with them or to get them into a relationship with God no matter what, right? to introduce them to God. Or maybe, maybe parenting is the thing that is, is getting in the way of your own relationship with God. Right? You, you are, are certainly telling your little ones about Jesus, but you, you cannot remember the last time that you read your own Bible. Or, or, you, or, or you say you can't be in a small group because you, your baby has this or that, whatever. Right? Whatever excuse you have. Right? Maybe you need to ask God to forgive you right? uh, of making those excuses. Whatever it is. So that you can become closer to him. Right? Maybe you need to write down your own selfishness. Maybe you have to... Um, you know, you, you put your sleep, your busy life, your job, uh, your bank account, whatever, fill in the blank ahead of being in community with people who will challenge you to look to God, right? Or, or being in community with God and reading your Bible. Maybe you need to write down your marriage, right? Is your, your marriage distracting you from Jesus instead of pointing you to him? Right? If so, maybe you need to have some tough conversations with your spouse about how you both can focus on him more, Right? We know the illustration. Marriage is a triangle, right? You, your spouse, God up here. So the closer you grow to God, right, you go closer as a couple, right? Maybe you're both not growing closer to God, so you're down here. Maybe you need to write down your work because goodness knows it has become the priority over everything else, over your family, over your home, and certainly over your relationship with God. Maybe you need to write down your fear. Maybe you haven't invited someone to church because... You know, you're just afraid they'll say no. I hear you. Right? Maybe you haven't told someone that God, uh, what God has done in your life because you're afraid they will label you. It's uncomfortable. But we're, we're a story people. We're called to give testimony. Not the big testimony of when I came to Christ, when, you know, I was in this pit. But what he did yesterday. Alright? Alright, again, use the discipleship guide because I asked you, what can you share Right? This scripture, how can you share this with somebody? Right? Maybe you haven't told someone what God has done in your life and you need to do that. Maybe you haven't been able to, to love your neighbor because you're afraid they will be hard to love. Or you just never see them. So you just say, oh, they, they obviously want to be left alone. Knock on their door. Or maybe you're just too tired at the end of the day to have a happy hour once in a while with your neighbor so that, that you can have a relationship with them to show them the love that God has for them. Whatever it is, I want you to write it down. I want you to pray about it here. Ask God to reveal to you what you should write. Listen, that thing that popped in your head first, that's what you should write. 
right? And I know this can be difficult, and I know it seems a little harsh, but, but I want so much more for this community of believers, because remember, repent, that rejuvenation comes, right? And before everyone feels horrible, I know that some of you are out there, and you're looking at me, and you're like, Andrew, I have nothing left to give. I do all that I can, but listen, my life is falling apart. I'm tired. I am lonely. I am empty. And to you, I say, let us in. Let us in, right? There is a room full of people who want to do better, who want to be people forging their life on God and helping others to do the same. So, so if you're the person who is, who's given all that you have to everyone else, I, I say maybe just repent of trying to do life on your own. Right? Because uh, I, I have, like, I have a list on mine. Right? And, and, and that's one of them. Right? Because if I'm honest, I mean, I'm going to be a hermit in northern Michigan or in <laughs> Minnesota in a cabin that I built by my hands a thousand miles away from the next person. All right? But God says you gotta, you got to do life with other people. All right? I mean, that, that's just where we are. Right? I, I, I tell Christina, and if I hadn't met her and Jesus, I would be that hermit. Right? But, but, but that's not the way that we were made to live. Last night in our table group, uh, in our discipleship group, you know, following, following that, that discipleship guide, right, we were talking about being made in the image of God, being image bearers. But what really stuck out, right, what re- this is why community is so important, all right? Because right, I'm just in my mind trying to recap the sermon from last week, right? We're going over those scriptures, but, but Brian, he pulls out a nugget of gold. And he says, he says let's talk about the, the community of God, right? right because, because it says in Genesis, he created us, right, us in their image, right? So, so God is in community. Who do we think we are if we, not to be in community, right? Right? That from the beginning of time, God was in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit were together creating the world. And together they had you in mind for this time and in this place. But they did not see you alone. They saw us here doing life together. Right? Getting, getting through this weary world together. So process, right? Tune me out if you have to. Right? <laughs> write that thing down. Write, the, write that stuff down. Right, listen, uh, throw that picture up there. This, this is only because I have, this is the only, the old picture that I have. I know this is from years ago. All right. But listen, you know, I, I'm going to confess another thing. <laughs> this is a funny thing. Um, at least I hope you guys take it in humor. But there's a group message chat that somehow I'm on <laughs> with all the food pantry volunteers. And I kid you not, they text each other like 50 times I'm getting a call for a bill. I'm going <laughs> to delete that. All right. Um, they, they text each other like 50 times a day. Let me, let me find this. I had it pulled up, but it went back to the, the thing here. But, but even this week, right, I, 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 I don't know. I always like, I got to get myself off of this text message chain because <laughs> it's literally like 50 texts a day, right? And I'm at this conference, I'm uh, doing stuff this week, and, and the only, I finally look at it, and the first thing that pops up, it says, you fellow women bring me so much more than friendship. Happiness, a purpose, 
volunteering with you all week, right? That's, that's community. That's serving God, right? That's, that's the word of God, right? In, in community with the people of God, filled with the spirit of God on mission for God, right? That's what it's about, right? And that's, that's what it looks like to be in the word with God. Now, listen, we can all be better in all of our groups and relationships and intentionality with the people of God, filled with the spirit of God, on mission of God. I, I know it's hard. I'm with you guys. Listen, no athlete, right, no athlete, Jim and I, Pastor Jim and I were talking about this this week too, right? No athletes love to do the conditioning required to be successful, right? They might love it for for like a day or two days, right? Some of, some of them, they, they might like lifting weights, but they, they hate to run or vice versa, right? Some of them like to study film, right? But, but I don't know one athlete who likes to do all those things all the time, right? But the su- successful ones, what do they do? They do all of them, disciplined themselves, conditioned themselves because that is what is required. And that is why God calls us to be in the word of God, with the people of God, filled with the spirit of God, on the mission of God. All, right, all of those things, even the ones we don't like, right? or we don't think we're good at, or we don't prioritize. And here is the great thing that we have as, as people who forge our life on God. We have help with the things we don't like. Right? We, we have community with the things that we don't like. Listen, and that is why I want you to take those things that you write down, and I want you to bring them up here, and I want you to lay them on the cross. And we're going to, in just a minute, I'm going to have the guys, they're going to they're gonna bring the cross up here. They're going to set it here, and Mackenzie's going to play. She's going to sing, right? There's slots in the back of this cross. You just fold that up, and you stick it in there. Right? You, you see, when we give the hard things to God, repentance, when we give him the time management, we give him our comfort zones, when we give him our children and our marriages, he takes those things and he redeems them. He makes us alive in him by nailing them to the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says it like this. And you, right, you who were dead in your trespasses, Right? Because we all missed the mark. We all messed up. You're dead because of it. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with legal demands. He canceled all that crap. And he says this. He said, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. As Christians forging our life on God. Man, we get to nail our worries that distract us from forging a lifelong reliance on God. We get to nail our fear that distracts us from forging a lifelong reliance on God. We get to nail our sins to the cross, whatever it is. And with every hammer of the nail, he has secured our redemption from those things. With every hammer of the nail, We have been restored. With every hammer of the nail, he has adopted us more and more into be those image bearers that we talked about last week, children of God, right? With every hammer of the nail, he has built his church and the gates of hell 
the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All right, so let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to adorn God with our worship. I know that's a girly word, all right? But it's just proclaiming that he is the great I am, and we are not. And that's what's so cool. All right, so when you're ready, you, you take your paper, and listen, do it. Don't cop out. You bring it up. Take your paper, fold it up, stick it in one of those slots in the back. All right? You just stick it back here, nailing it to the cross, I would say, right? Stick it in there. I'm going to take the easy ones. You guys got to take the hard ones. And when you do that, if you call Jesus your Lord, if he is your heavenly father, right, we remember that we get to do this. We get to do this because of what he's done for us, right? Jesus, not because of, of us. It's because Jesus, God in the flesh, came into this world not to condemn us, but he went to the cross. Like it says, right, he said, this is my body which is given for you, take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then he says, this, this juice, this wine is my blood, a new covenant I give to you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, what we proclaim what? We proclaim the Lord until he comes again. We proclaim the gospel hope, grace, truth, all these things. Man, I'm glad I'm not a hermit in the North Woods. That might be my mansion in heaven. <laughs> but I'm glad that even if this is your first time with us, And people all around the world who are worshiping right now are part of the kingdom of God. Right? And they're, they're, they're in the word of God. For the power of the spirit of God. And they're on mission. So all that, that truth, all that, that changing our culture. Listen, that's, we, we say here, we try to reach three people. I'm not going to dig into all this because... There'll be more questions than answers, but we try to reach we try to reach the man so we can reach the rest of the family, right? Because statistically speaking, if the, the man in a family is the first one to come to Christ, it's like 80% the rest of the family will come to Christ, right? And then it goes down to like 13% if it's the mom or the child, right? That doesn't mean we're not trying to reach everybody, right? But that's why we don't have doilies and flowers everywhere, right? <laughs> try to reach the man, right? And then the other group, we, try to, we say we try to reach our neighbors so we can change our culture, Right? And then we say we, we try to reach the next generation so that we have a future. Right? And that's why Pastor Jim's spending money, right? <laughs> that's why we, we put so much focus there and energy there. Right? It's, right? it's not one or the other. It's, all those things will come. Our world will change. People will know him. We know it's about Jesus. When we stay connected, when we forge our life on Him, first and above, above all. You know, Christina likes to remind me that, you know, it's not about 
one person. It's not about me. It's not about whatever. It's about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's not a gospel of self-help, self-love. It's a gospel of Jesus. He's going to love you way better than you can self-love. It's about him. So as, as Mackenzie sings, sing with her. Uh, put these put these up here. We're just gonna worship. We're gonna pray. We're gonna take communion. All right, don't rush it. Pray and ask God for what you need to write down. All right, put it in these slots.